especially in this season. Uh, as we go through Christmas, there's a lot of things that happen. Advent season is preparing for uh, the coming of the Lord. That's what Advent season is. And we're in Advent season, getting ready for Christmas to come. So it's, it's, it's churches begin to prepare for the coming of the Lord, the, the birth of Jesus, which is a great thing. We don't want to miss that. Um, the thing with Christmas, what it always does is Christmas always brings the past into the present. And this can be a good thing, and sometimes this can be a very challenging, hard thing. Uh, what I mean by the past is it's, it's bringing what took place 2,000 years ago when, when a baby was born in a manger in Bethlehem. We recognize that, and we say we want some of that here today. We want some of that joy. We want some of that peace, some of the, what the angels spoke of, what Jesus spoke of. We want that today. The other part of that is it brings the past into the future is we always have to deal with things that happened in the past. And sometimes those things can take our joy. And so why joy? Well, we want people to, to learn to enjoy life. Now, joy is a great thing. It's a gift that God's given us. We said this, that sometimes we confuse joy with happiness. And the other thing we confuse it with is pleasure, which we're going to talk about today. Um, but we said this about happiness. Happiness, the American dream is the pursuit of happiness, right? And that's a good dream. We should pursue happiness. But I think there's something better than happiness that we can pursue and we should pursue, and that's joy. And we're going to talk a little different. The difference is this. Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Happiness determines, is, is determined by the things that are going on in our life around us, but joy is something very deep inside. Happiness is based on circumstance, but joy is based on Christ. And we're going to talk about what that means today. It's a choice that we make. I mean, he gives, it's a gift, but it's also a choice we make. Happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. Happiness, we said last week, is recognizing the good in things, but joy is recognizing God in things. So, so joy is, the idea of joy is that, that God is giving us some, some things to enjoy in life. And really the reason he's given those is so we can, it, it points to something greater than the thing that we're feeling. It's, it's the, the, the enjoyment, the pleasure, the happiness that we feel. Joy is saying there's something more to this. Uh, I talked about how uh, the angel came to the shepherds during the Christmas, the, the first one of the first things that happened during the Christmas season, uh, that the first one, is the angel showed up and told the shepherds, don't be afraid, I'll bring you good news of great joy. And we said that whenever fear is present, uh, whenever, whenever joy shows up, fear has to leave. So if fear is present, it's really hard for joy to get in the picture. But when joy shows up in our lives, all of a sudden fear and anxiety, all these other things, they get pushed out whenever joy is present. And God wants us to choose joy. It's a gift he gives us to say we want, we want it to be uh, in our lives. And so last week we said joy is a gift. That was last week's message. Today we're going to talk about the second part of this, and that's joy is a choice. All right, so in your life, joy in your life is a choice. So the first part is it's a gift that God gives us. And only God can give us joy. But the second part of that is God says there's other ways to have joy in your life. And it's really through the choices that we make. Because the truth is every single one of us, every single day, will make hundreds if not thousands of choices. And every single one of these choices will lead to something. They're going to produce, there'll be some kind of outcome in those choices that we make. Sometimes those are good things and sometimes they're not good things. And one day they will lead to something in our lives. When we, when we make decisions and choices in life, uh, we don't always realize that the outcome right away. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes in some cases it takes years. Uh, we don't always get it right away. Um, and and that's, it's really important for us to learn because when, when we think of a plant, when you're going to plant a tree and you want to you get apples from a tree, you don't expect it to happen overnight. You understand that you plant a seed. You have to make sure it's in the right environment and the ground, that all that is, is ready to go. And you, and you water it. You have to take care of that and, and, and continue to feed that plant. And eventually it will grow and it will begin to produce. But sometimes it takes a while. Well, in our lives, we are all producing things with every single decision we make. We're planting things that are, going to, that are going to grow into something beautiful, or we're planting things that are growing into weeds, and they're going to cause disease, and they're going to cause death in our life. But we're all planting every single day. You are planters. I am planters. It's like you're carrying around this bag of seeds, and everything you do, you're planting things in your life. 
What are the, what are the outcomes of those going to be? Last week we said that one of the first things that, that was showed up in the, in the story, the Christmas story, was, was the word joy. Um, in, in, the, in the story of, of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, with John the Baptist, which, which was coming before Jesus, important part of the story. I would encourage you to read, read the story and, and figure out what that means. It's important. So before Jesus was born, his cousin John was born, which is leading the way for him. Um, and there was joy in that story because their parents couldn't have babies and God blessed them with the baby. It's just amazing. And then Jesus comes and there's more joy. Um, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, in fact, one author I read, he says the underlying theme of the Gospel of Luke um, which Luke was a doctor. He, he, he researched all these stories and, and, and got them all and said, hey, if you want to know what you know, I've asked eyewitnesses, I've asked the accounts, and he researched it. it one, the underlying theme for the Gospel of Luke actually is joy. Uh, I would say it's one of the most important things we can have in life is joy. Um, it, it, that God wants us to figure this out because it's something we need to have in our life. Uh, so the, one of the first things was, was, was talked about in the, the Christmas story was joy. One of the last things that Jesus talked to his disciples about was Joy, and we're going to take, we're going to read that account in John 15. This is one of the last teachings Jesus, Jesus gives them before he dies on the cross, and he says he says this in John 15. He says, "When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. So when you, when you follow my ways, you remain in me. All right, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in His love. So there's a connection between obedience and following God and having having a relationship with Him. Um, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy." So Jesus is telling the disciples, you can have the joy that I have. Son of God, right? King of the universe. He has everything in his command. What kind of joy do you think Jesus had? A lot of it. Why? Because he knew the end of the story. He knew what was coming. He knew how, what, was the, what the final results were. And there's joy in that. Yes, your joy will overflow. It'll be, it'll be overflowing. And he gives that option to the disciples. If, if, but there's a condition here. If you obey my commands, the choice you make is through obedience. We can say it like this. In your life, if you want to have joy in your life, there's a path to joy. And the path to joy is through obedience. The path to joy is through obedience. So throughout scriptures, if you read the stories, if you read all, all the different stories, there's a common theme to that. God is wanting people to follow his lead. He's saying, just, just trust me. Just trust me. In every occasion where joy is absent, it's because there was, there was disobedient was, disobedience was present. Present. So disobedience pushed out joy in these situations. We talked about David last, last week. When he sinned, he prayed and asked God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Why? He was disobedient. He sinned against God. He had an affair. He pushed joy out of his life. And he's saying, God, forgive me. I'll restore joy back to me. Uh, Adam and Eve, when they, when they disobeyed God's command not to eat of the one tree in the middle, they can eat all the other fruit, but just that one, what happened? They disobeyed God and joy leaves. Disobedience always pushes joy out. The same way fear pushes joy out, uh, joy can also push uh, fear out. Um, disobedience will, will keep joy from our lives. And so the path to joy is through obedience. It's because what happens when we disobey God is we push him out. We say we know better. We want our own way. We want to do something, something else. In the Bible, one of the themes about joy is, in, in, especially in the Old Testament, it's tied to how we, we worship. When we put God as God and let him lead, there's this element of our lives. They run better. They work better. And there's joy in them. Uh, and, and one of the stories, Nehemiah actually tells the people, and they're building the wall, and they're going through this difficult, difficulty after they build the wall and finish it, and they're celebrating. They realize that their disobedience has caused a lot of hardships and a lot of issues. And so they're kind of they're sad. And Nehemiah says, uh, don't be worried. All right? Let's push worry out of the way. For the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. The joy of your Lord is your strength. So in the Old Testament, the, the idea of joy actually means that you're going to have strength. That their strength comes with joy. 
When, you, when you're accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish, you're going to have strength in that journey. Why? Because joy produces strength in our lives. So if, if I was the enemy and I wanted to keep you weak and wanted to keep you addicted to things and, and, and losing in life, I would want to take away your strength. And that's his strategy in our lives. He wants us to lose the joy of our life. He, he doesn't want us to enjoy life. Now, he'll push us to things that, that, are, that we confuse with joy, like pleasure um, and addictions. And he'll say, yeah, these are the things that bring real, real happiness to your life or real joy. He gets us focused on happiness, on pleasure. But really, he, he takes away joy. Joy is something is different than happiness. It's something different than pleasure. So the enemy wants to keep us weak. So how does he do that? He takes away joy. He takes away the joy of our life because the joy that God gives is strength. I know in my life when I'm doing things that God wants me to do, like today we're going to do water baptisms. After water baptisms are done and I hear the stories and we baptize people, I am so excited. I get so pumped up because I know I'm a part of what God is doing in this world that's good. And it gives me strength. Uh, on Sundays, I've worked so hard. Sometimes in the afternoons, I want to just lay down and sleep. There's a part of me that's I'm just exhausted. And there's other part of me that I'm so excited and so uh, so, so what, what took place to, on, on that Sunday. Why? Because the joy of the Lord gives me strength. It's a strength that I can't explain. It's just it's there. It, it, when you do God's way, you have what he has. It's energy. It's strength that he gives you. So how do we get this strength? How, how do we get the strength that, that Nehemiah talked about, that, that the angel talked about? How do we get this strength? So part of it's a gift. God gives the joy to us. But the other part of it is a choice. The, the choices we make on a daily basis will either lead to joy or they'll lead to the lack of joy. They'll lead to, to good things in our life or they're going to lead to other things that aren't so good in our lives. So the second part of this is it's a byproduct. If it's a choice, that means the things we do will be something will be produced in our lives. Joy is not on circumstances, but it's, but it's based on Christ. What I mean by that is Paul tells the church in Galatia, Galatia that um, if if you're following God's ways, he's going to produce something in your life. In fact, Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit. He says it like this in Galatians 5, and 23. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So he's saying when we allow God to lead and God to be, be God in our lives, he's going to produce something good in us, like fruit. Okay, like an apple you'd eat, something that you'd enjoy, something that's going to bring nourishment. He's going to produce something, something you can see. And, and, and this fruit is going to be love. It's going to be joy, pay, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you say, God, when we let him lead, he produces these good things in our lives. How many of you guys need a little bit of peace this week, right? When you're driving through the traffic, you just need some peace. How many of you guys like some joy in your life? Well, these are byproducts of allowing God to work in our lives. In scriptures, Paul is saying, as we follow Christ, you know, Christians are Christ followers, people that are following his ways. When we allow him to lead, we're saying, God, you lead. Help me to look more and more like you. Help me to reflect you. It's less of me, less of Eric, and more of Christ in me, more of God in me, where I'm, I'm reflecting him. That, that's, our, that's our job, what we're called to be, is we're called to follow what he's modeled for us and live that way. And when we do it, Paul says, we will see the fruit of that in our lives. We'll have love. We'll have joy. We'll have all these good things. Well, before he gives the fruit of the Spirit, he contrasts it with the works of the flesh or the, or the, the acts of the flesh, like the things that, that we want to do because it feels good. He says it like this in Galatians 5.19, right before the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about the, the acts of the flesh. He says, when you follow the desire of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. These are, these are the acts. These are the things that when we follow our own, when we try to get our own way, all right, and all, all the time. He says, uh, there'll be sexual, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, 
that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's saying when you disobey God, when you do your own thing, when you do it your way, you're going to have these things in your life which only produce death. They produce disease and they produce death in our lives. They kill the good things that God wants to do in our lives because it removes joy from our lives. If you, I would encourage you to read this, this portion of scripture in the message paraphrase. Uh, it's a great, great way. Uh, he talks about uh, you know, when we try to get our, our way, it's, we're looking for repetitive, loveless, cheap sex is one way he says it. It's a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage is another way he puts it. Those things is what we collect when we do our own thing, when we try to do our own way. When, when Jesus was teaching the people that would come and gather around him, one of his teachings, he says, you can recognize a tree by its fruit. If you want to know what kind of tree it is, just look at the fruit that it produces, and that will give you an indication. In, John, in Luke 6, Jesus says this, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the tre- treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So he's saying, look at somebody's life. You can identify the choices they made by the fruit that they're producing. So somebody getting really angry on the, on the interstate, they're really upset. They've allowed their choices to produce bad things in their life. It's, it's the fruit that they've chose for themselves. Made, made the decision to, at some point, to plant those seeds that have led to those things. You know, I, I can imagine Mother Teresa, and Mother Teresa did a great work in India. She, she, she left riches to go and, and live with the poorest of the poor. I can't imagine Mother Teresa driving down the road, flipping off people because of their, the, 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 the traffic. Right? I can't. Why? Because she saw something bigger. She made a decision to do something with her life that was producing good. She had a bigger perspective, right? It didn't bother her. Traffic was bad. It's okay. There's something, there's something God wants to do in the middle of this. There's something, and she was able to go with it. In our lives, God wants to produce things like peace and like joy and like love if we will make those decisions to do it. Luke 6. So you can see this. Produce, 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 produce. In your life, what is your life producing? What, what, is, what is God inviting you into and calling you to do? What is God, what is God wanting you to be? Okay, so in your life, God wants you to produce good things. How do I know that God wants you to produce good things? Um, because in scriptures, he says it. In Genesis 1, um, God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds on it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and the trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. So in the, in the beginning, God is creating all these things, all right? He's, he's separating the light and the darkness, he's, and, and he's creating trees and plants. This is the principle that God said in the beginning. There'll be a seed time, and there'll be a harvest time. So seed time and harvest means that whatever you plant, eventually you will reap. If you plant apple seeds, you're going to get apple trees. If you plant goat heads, you're going to get goat heads. All right. So this is the principle. Whatever you plant, you're going to you're going to you're going to you're going to reap. It's going to produce. It's going to it's going to happen. And it's it's like he 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 got an aspen tree, and he didn't just make one aspen tree. He got all of the other aspen trees that would ever be and put them inside this one tree with all the seeds that he gave that aspen tree or that acorn tree, whatever tree it is. And he put the ability in one tree to produce not just two trees or three trees, but millions of trees. And in man, he put seeds inside of a man that would be able to produce millions and billions of other men or women. And he's so amazing that, that he, he's packed so much seeds in us that you have to use a microscope to see the seeds that he put in us. 
Why? Because he puts something in us to produce um, life in us. It's a God of principle. He's saying that there's going to be a time to plant, there's going to be a time to reap. Um, after this, he goes on, he talks about man. He says, let's, God says, let us make man our own image and our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. And you know what the first thing he says to man is? If you go to the next one for me, Genesis 1.26, this is what God says. The very first thing God speaks to us, to people, is this. He says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over everything, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created man to, to work. He created him to rule over. But notice the first thing he says, be fruitful and increase in number. So, so just for the record, all right, sincerity and I, we took God's command up and, and we've been fruitful and we're multiplying, right? We got four. Any more on the way? No more on the way? Our church has four, four babies that's coming in the next few weeks and next few months. So we're so excited for these new babies that are coming. Now we're taking this serious and, and being fruitful and multiplying. Now God meant that. He was saying this, like you should have kids. Like there's hope in that. When you have kids, there's hope in that and, and it's a good thing. But there's, the principle of this is, is, is bigger than that in the Bible. It's not just producing other kids. I'm not called just to have more kids. I'm called to produce others. Like, like an apple tree is supposed to produce more apples. Eric is supposed to produce other Eric's and other people that love and care for him. And you're supposed to produce other people. And because of sin, sin entered in and, and it messed everything up. Because Adam and Eve chose the wrong thing, sin, sin brought a curse to our land and brought a curse to us. And so God wanted us to pass on, pass on blessings, but a lot of us have been stuck in a cycle where all we're passing down is curses. And curses get passed down from one generation to the next generation. And in this, God is saying, I put in you the ability to choose. You can, give, you could, you could choose blessings you could, to pass on blessings, or you could choose to pass on curses. It's up to you. But the choice is yours. And he said to rule over the fish. God created us to be rulers over things, not to be ruled by stuff and dominated. But when Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve chose sin, all of a sudden now they were, they were ruled, they became a slave to something. They were ruled over by something else. God never intended us to live that way. The point we celebrate Christmas is the fact that Jesus came to earth. Why? To break that curse of sin over, over mankind. Like he wants to break that so now we don't have to pass on curses and pass on horrible things to, our, to the next generation. Not just our kids, but even those that were around. We can pass on good things. We can pass on blessings. He came to, to break that. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Surprised by Joy, he says it like this about joy. He says, joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only, in common with them. So this is the common characteristic in, in, in joy is anyone who's experienced it will want it again. He says, I doubt whether anyone who, is, who has tasted it would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures of the world. But then joy is never in our power, and pleasure often is. So what he's saying is, Joy is not like on demand. We can't just say, I'm going to be joyful right now. No, joy is a gift that God gives, but it's also choices that we make. It's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of the choices we made. So the things that I planted three years ago, I am now reaping in my life that are good. In my marriage, if I have a good marriage, it's not because yesterday I was a good husband. It's because over time I've been saying, I love you. I care for you. I'm going to model this for you. I'm going to show you. In my, if I have a good relationship with my, with my kids, it's not just because this morning I said, hey, today I'm going to be your dad. I'm, let, let's have joy in this, this relationship. No, it's because at some point I've been planting seeds and watering these seeds that grew up in a, a healthy relationship. Are you with me? So it's, it's a byproduct of the choices we make. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. It's when you allow God's, the, Christ's character to be in you that you begin to see these things produced. 
Why? Because you're saying no to the things that God says no to, and you're saying yes to the things God is saying say yes to, and just trust him and follow him. In fact, searching for things to cheer us up, at the end of that, he says, joy is, is not in our, in, in our power because it's not on demand, but a lot of times pleasure is. Like we can, we can pick up something that will help us feel good for a moment. It's a quick fix, right? Well, I think searching for things to cheer us up is just an indication that we are actually not joyful or content. Like if you're looking for things to satisfy your life, that is only an indication that you don't have joy in your life and you're not content. And God is saying, I want to help you feel, fix that. I want to help you with this. See, this could be the things we search in for pleasure. It could be drugs. It could be attention from other people. It could be applause, people cheering you on. It could be any kind of pleasure. And all these things are just tricks to manipulate our, really our brains and our minds. It's, it's chemical warfare, really what it is, because all of these things trigger thing, chemicals in our minds that tell us, oh, that feels really good and that is really good. But what happens when the chemicals leave? Life is exactly like it was before. No, actually, it's not like it was before. It's a lot of times worse than it was before, because now you have the consequences of those decisions that you made. See, in God, there's nothing addictive. Anybody addicted to prayer? Like, you just can't stop praying. You woke up this morning, like, I got to pray this morning. And then, or, or reading your Bible, like you're addicted to reading your Bible or addicted to church. Like, I got to be there. Okay, maybe because the grove is pretty awesome. You might be addicted to the grove. That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, we're not addicted to things of God because there's nothing addictive in God. Why? Because God wants you to choose the things of him. He doesn't want to force you in those things. When you're addicted to something, you're forced to do it. But when it's a choice, you choose it. Love is love because we get to choose it. It's free will. The gift God gave us, the first gift was the, 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 the gift of choice. We have free will because he doesn't want robots. He wants you to choose those things. And when you do, you realize all these great things in life, and it produces good things in you. God is not a slave driver. He's not going to force you to do anything. The enemy, he wants to be a slave driver. He wants to rule and, and, and conquer and, and, and get you addicted to things. See, God's not a slave driver. God is what the Bible calls a good shepherd. You know, Psalms 23, it says that the good shepherd is going to lead the sheep to these places of quiet rest and water. And even to the dark seasons, the dark valleys, right, the shadow of death, he's even going to lead us to those. He's a good shepherd that wants to lead us. And he's inviting us to say, follow my lead. There's a, a great book that C.S. Lewis wrote. It's called The Screwtape Letters. And, and it's a fictional book, so this is not real. It's just his idea of, as he's, as he's reading scripture, he's trying to figure out how, how God works, how the enemy works. He writes this story about Uncle Screwtype, which is a screw tape, which is, is like a seasoned, like a, a demon that is older, a mature demon. And he's teaching his, his nephew, a younger, new demon, how to tempt men. And throughout the book, it's really just this conversation between these demons. And this, this older demon is teaching his younger, the younger demon how to mess up with men, how to mess with men, men and mess us up. And this is part of the book where he talks about pleasure. I thought it was appropriate because uh, it might give us a little insight into how when we face things, um, there are, there's the choices we make, but there's a lot of underlying things that are going on in our lives. And this is what he says in his book. He says, never forget, and this is the older demon talking to the younger demon, all right? So he's going to say, he's going to say our enemy, which means God, and he's going to say our father, which means Satan. So kind of like weird, right? Like, wait, this is kind of different. Just stick with me. You'll, you'll get it. So the older demon, the younger demon says, never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are in a sense on the enemy's ground. So we're on God's ground when we're dealing with pleasure in its healthy form. I know that we have won many a soul through pleasure. All right? The enemy wins through pleasure. All the same, 
It is his invention, God's invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy, God, has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. This is the enemy's strategy. This is what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. He's trying to get them to do something that was forbidden, getting us to do something forbidden. In an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. Don't miss that. This, this is the strategy. This is, this is what drugs do. This is what alcohol does. This is what all kinds of addictions do. It's an ever-increasing craving for more of something but with a diminished return. That's the formula. To get man's soul and give him nothing in return. Drugs only give nothing in return. They can't ever give it. Any temptation the enemy gives us, it can never produce what it promises. It's a lie. Behind it, it can't produce anything. Because the enemy can't create anything new or anything better or anything good. All he can do is distort and destroy things. This is what really gladdens our father's heart. He's talking about Satan. That's what really makes Satan happy is what the older demon is saying. It's just an interesting dialogue that's going on behind the scenes of, man, when it comes to pleasure, what's really going on there? What, what are we really going to get in these things? Like you said, like this, counter, a counterfeit of joy would be pleasure. So, so pleasure and happiness, those because sometimes they, they fulfill just enough of us to think that life is okay. But as soon as those things that caused happiness and pleasure are removed, we're back to the same state we were. Joyless, maybe not enjoying life or, or stuck or addicted, whatever it is. When those are removed, we're, we're there. It's not healthy. So whenever we're faced with something, this could be a pleasure of shopping. This could be a pleasure of eating food. This could be any kind of pleasure that we insert into, into helping us figure, try to get happy or try to make, us, make, it, make life ple- pleasant. So what in this pleasure is going to produce, what is it going to produce in the long run? That would be the question to ask. I'm about to do something. In the long run, what is this actually going to produce in my life? One psychologist says it like this, play the movie, play the whole movie. You know, whenever we're faced with decisions, a lot of times we only play the trailer. We only play the, the, little, the little snippet of what's going to take place, right? So somebody's going to have an affair on, on their husband or wife. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the romance, it's the, it's the chasing, it's the, the adrenaline rush of all that. It's like this can be exciting, it's going to be a lot of fun. But if you play the whole movie, you begin to realize, all right, so that first part, that was a trailer, there's a lot of excitement. But as soon as all that happened, the, the rest of the movie is that moment when you're having to tell your kids why your family is broken and not working, why I made these decisions. That moment you have to tell your kids what you did or you have to admit or you're found out. You play the whole movie, you begin to see actually what it's going to produce. In life, when somebody offers you something, what, is the, what does the whole movie look like? Okay, this is great. I can borrow this much money for, for, the, for this to buy this thing. But don't just play the immediate like this feels good, this is the, I feel great. What's this going to look like in 10 years and in 20 years? Play the whole movie. When you face the decision, what's this going to produce? We said last week that um, when it comes to following Christ, we have to learn to arrange our lives in such a way that sin no longer looks good to us. How do we do that? Well, we learn what the real thing is like, joy. I know what a joyful relationship looks like, and I don't want to trade that in for something that's going to only satisfy me for a moment. It's only going to be a quick fix. And this is hard for us to, as, as Americans, as even the younger generation. We want everything now. We want everything instant. And that's really hard to understand that, no, instant, you, you can have instant pleasure, but it's not going to produce anything good in the long run. A lot of times the very things that take work and, and take sacrifice are be the things that are going to produce something good in the long run. Like we said in the beginning, um, well, one of the things I talked about last week is a lot of times when we find that we're not enjoying life, 
It's because we lose, we lose purpose. We lose focus of what's really important. You know, this is one of the, one of the reasons I think the Bible, um, that God gave us the Sabbath. He gave us the Ten Commandments, and, and he, he broke down all of his commandments into ten, and then Jesus broke them down into two. Well, in those Ten Commandments, how many of you guys know that killing somebody is a joy kill, right? You kill somebody, that, that takes out joy in somebody's life. Somebody dies, there's murder. Joy is lost in that transaction. When you steal from somebody, especially if you're the one being stolen from, that can take joy from you. That can take life from you. That, it, it ruins. But when it comes to Sabbath, a lot of times we don't understand that God is saying, all right, I want, there's a rhythm you're supposed to have in your life. You work six days, and on one day you take a break. You stop. You, you don't do anything so you can refresh, you can refuel, so you don't burn up, so you don't get frustrated, so you don't get angry. See, see God is saying, just trust me. Just follow me. I know how I created things to work. If you will do this, you'll have joy in your life. It's, it's, a, it's a forced vacation every six days, right? How many of you guys can use a vacation on the seventh day? Anybody? It's God's way of saying, just sleep in, just enjoy, just take, take a break from all the work that makes you feel like everything is on your shoulders. And on that day, just say, today I'm going to unplug and I'm going to just trust you, God, for the results. It's God's way of saying, just relax. Just relax. Learn to have a rhythm in your life that just takes a break and focus on the important things. If you don't know much about Sabbath, I would encourage you to study and learn about it. Um, throughout the scriptures, God would even give the people, we call them holidays, but holiday comes from the word holy days. So three times a year, God would say, have these breaks where you intentionally celebrate and hang out and party and have fun. Why? Because I want you to be able to enjoy life. And if all you do is work, 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 you're going to get to a place where you think, all I'm good for is work. And he says, no, there's something more to this. You have to enjoy what's in front of you. So today is this. The path to joy is obedience. If you want joy in your life, learn to walk on the path of obedience. That scripture, God is saying, just trust me. Yes, it's hard, but trust me. It might be difficult, but trust me. So what seeds, what seeds are you sowing today that will be, that will be full of joy tomorrow? See, every single day we walk around with seeds in our hands and we plant these seeds. What are you sowing today that tomorrow and next year are going to be good seeds? You know, for, for me and, and sincerity, in our, um, one of the things that we bought into culture is, is we have to have more. We have to accumulate. And, and through that, and some, some things weren't totally our fault, but through that, there's, there's been an accumulation of debt, right? Well, how many of you guys know sowing seeds of debt is never going to produce joy in your life? Eventually, you're going to be like, man, I have this debt I have to pay. Well, for me, my life is saying, what seeds am I going to sow? Well, I need to get out of debt. So what seeds do I need to sow to be able to get out of debt so that we can have more joy and more peace and we can do more good? Those are all questions we have to ask. 2017 is coming. What seeds are you going to begin to sow in your life that will eventually produce? And because it's not immediate, a lot of people just say, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And you'll keep getting what you keep getting. Learn to change that way of thinking of saying, what can I do? So imagine 2017 was a year of preparation for 2018. What would you do differently? If you knew something in 2018 was going to be amazing that was coming, but you had to prepare for it, what would you begin to do? And then I say start doing it. Start planting those seeds so that 2018 could be the best year ever. And 2017 actually turned out to be really good if you begin to follow, follow God's ways and, and, and learn to, to, to walk through obedience. So if you're not joyful today, it might be because you've sown seeds that has pushed joy out of your life. If you're lacking enjoyment in life, you don't have joy, You've most likely sown seeds that have pushed joy out of your life. You've sown weeds that push out fruit. And the weeds that we sow affect health. They affect relationships. They affect the good fruit in our life that God wants to have. 
when it comes to changing things, in any change process, it's important to focus on the patterns you want to introduce, not the ones that you want to avoid. You know, if, if you want to get over a bad habit of maybe, of maybe saying a, a specific word that you keep saying over and over, you know, if you tell yourself, don't say that word, don't say that word, don't say that word, you're actually going to say that word because you're driving it deeper. The opposite would be, what are the good things I actually want to say rather than that word? And you start focusing on the thing you want to change. Don't tell yourself, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. It's saying, what is the opposite of this? What does God say about this situation? And then start doing that. And focus on the good thing, the positive thing. For 2017, being asked, what is this? You know, in, in Deuteronomy, God gives the Israelites all these commandments. And he's saying, if you follow these things, you're going to produce good in your life. And at the end of it, after he gives all these commandments, this is what he says in Deuteronomy, I know what the verse is, 11, 26. He says this, he says, look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you today. But you'll be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known before. I'll give you the choice. If you obey and follow you'll get blessings. If you turn away and be disobedient, you'll get curses. But the choice is yours. So this week, you have a bag of seeds you're planting. Are you planting to plant seeds that are going to be blessings in your life? Or are you planting seeds that are going to be curses? Are you telling lies? You're going to, you're going to get weeds. Are you, are you looking for opportunities to, to speak good things into people, looking for the best in others? You're going to plant good things. This holiday season, you have a lot of opportunities to love people around you. What seeds are you planting? When you see needs in front of you, are you planting seeds that are going to one day produce and come back to bless you? Or are you planting seeds that are just all about you and what feels good that will come back to bite you and to curse you? So here's our challenge today as we wrap up. Our challenge is this. This week, on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, choose joy. Choose joy. How do you choose joy? By planting good seeds. Seeds that will produce joy in your life. Don't chase after pleasures, but chase after the one who created pleasure in the first place. Chase after God. And you'll begin to realize the pleasure he does give you always pointing to something greater and something better. Choose joy. Seeds that will produce. As we challenge you this, this, this season to choose joy tomorrow, uh, today. Um, you know, some of you guys, we, we talked about football last week and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the games and today some more football coming. There's all these things that we can enjoy in life. Just don't forget they're pointing to something greater. They're not bad. Pleasure's not bad. God created pleasure. But when we do it his way, we have joy in the middle of it. When we don't, we get pleasure, but then we get emptiness after. The choice is yours. There's a lot of people in this room that have, that have come today, and, and um, you're, you, maybe this is the first time in church. Maybe you haven't come for a long time. Uh, but you're here today, and you're looking for answers. Maybe you find yourself that you're not enjoying life. You, you, you're, you're joyless when it comes to, to going to work, to school, whatever it is. And you're here today. I, it's not an accident that God brought you because he wants you to learn something. The choices you make will produce something. And he's inviting you into something better and into something greater. Um, in fact, Paul says it like this in Second Corinthians. He says, like, he says it like this. As God's partners, talking to the church in Corinthians, he's saying, in Corinth, he's saying, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. See, some people, what he's saying is, some people have accepted God's invitation to be friends. And then on Monday, they kind of say, well, that was good for Sunday, but today... I'm going to do my own thing. Paul's saying, hey, don't, don't accept it and then ignore it the rest of the time. Don't, don't just make this a Sunday thing. Learn to walk in it. For God says it like this. He says, at just the right time, I heard you. God is always a God of just the right time. And some of you came today 
And today is just the right time for you to wake up and just the right time for you to fix things and just the right time to make things better. But, but the key is today. He says, on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. In scripture, the right time is always now. It's not tomorrow. It's not let's focus on last week or, or yesterday. It's today. What are you doing today? There are scriptures you read it. God's, God's invitation is today. What are you going to do today? One psalm says it like this. Today is the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice. We should have joy in it. Like today. Let's focus on today. See, some of you are thinking, well, next year I'll do this. In 2017 is almost here. I'm going to party up 2000. I'm going to finish up 2016 with a lot of partying, a lot of fun. Because then 2017, then, then I'll give my life. I'll, I'll make the right choices. I've got to say, that's not how it works. Today is the day. Today is the day you begin to plant seeds that are going to grow up with something good. Because if you wait for 2017, I'm pretty sure you're going to continue to wait till 2018, and you're going to continue to wait till the next time, or until life gets really hard and you just come back and say, God, I need your help again. And then, oh, I'm going to go do my own thing because it's better. God is saying today is the day. And for, for, for you, if you're here today, and you're hearing what I'm talking about, there's something in you, I know it because I've been there, where you recognize, man, I, I'm not being obedient to God. I'm doing my own thing, and I don't like the results. Yeah, sometimes it's fun, but a lot of times it's just pain. It's just pain and it's hurt. What we love at the Grove is to be able to help you to say, today, would you choose God? Would you say yes to God? Which means you have to say no to other things. But those things really don't last, and they really don't produce anything good anyways. But when you say yes to God, he begins to say, now let me help you produce good things. And then tomorrow, you know what God's going to say? Today. Choose today. You know, I, um, I went to an AA meeting with some, some, some friends in our church, and they were, they were introducing me to their, their process. And you, you know, a lot of people that struggle with addictions, they don't say like, um, let's, let's, let's just not drink for this next week. They can't, that's too long. They say, I'm not going to drink for this next hour. I'm just going to make it to the next hour. And the next hour, I'll make it to this next, this next hour. And they focus on a day at a time. Why? Because today is the most important decision that we have. We don't have tomorrow yet, but we have today. And tomorrow, it'll be today again. What are you going to do tomorrow when you're in traffic, when you're driving? What are the decisions you make? When you have opportunities to, to do good or bad, what are you going to do? You're carrying your bag of seeds. And you have to choose. Am I going to plant something good or am I going to plant something bad? I guess it's kind of like two bags of seeds then, right? Figure out how to plant like that. I'm not sure. Just throwing seeds everywhere. But God is inviting you. Would you choose today? Do me a favor. Close your eyes and would you bow your head? If you're here today... And you need to make a decision to trust God with your life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Today is the day that you need to say, God, I want your help. I need your help. God, forgive me of sowing seeds, of chasing after happiness and pleasure and neglecting joy. Just a simple prayer. I invite you just to pray saying, God, I invite you into my life. The Bible says if we'll confess our wrong and our sin, God forgives us. And he gives us a new start. Today can become a new start for you if you allow it. So if you're here today and you'd like to pray this prayer and I can lead you in this prayer, would you just lift your hands? I know you're here. Awesome. I see your hands. Awesome. Today is the day. Don't wait for tomorrow, next time. I see your hands. Awesome. I've been praying for you this week. All you raise your hands, asking God to lead you. 
you raise your hand, would you just repeat this prayer with me? For all of you that are Christians in this room, would you join us? They're not praying alone. Would you say, just say, Father God, today I choose you. I need your help. Forgive me of my sin, of my wrong. Help me to choose right. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you have a better way. I want to follow you today. Be my God. Be my shepherd. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.